Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is where we are, and uh, we're, we've been in our series, Intentional Living, and uh, of course, this uh, is just kind of a, a recap of last week. We're talking about this idea of approaching every day with purpose and uh, Christ-centered thinking so we can experience uh, uh, the abundant Christian life. You know, Jesus said that he came to give life, and then he came to give it more abundantly, and there's so many Christians that if you think about it often, we kind of approach it day with no purpose. Uh, We just kind of get up and just kind of live through our days and kind of exist. And the Lord says, listen, that's not my plan for you. If you know me as your savior, my plan is that you would be able to go through each and every day with purpose and with a mind that is set upon the Lord, accomplishing things for God, being used by God and seeing God work in your life in an abundant way. And last week, we looked at the idea of intentionally growing. And we talked about there's a lot of people, they have a desire to grow, right? I wish I could be like that Christian. I wish I could pray like them. I wish I had their joy. I wish I had peace like they do during trials. And uh, Peter, he wrote and he said, hey, listen, quit wishing and start acting, And by that, he's saying, hey, add to your faith. Give diligence to add to your faith. Stop having just a desire to grow and start taking steps of growth. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Man, be intentional in our growth. Give diligence. It means that it takes a little bit of effort. I don't know about you, but I don't like effort sometimes. And I I want things just to kind of happen, you know? But that's not the way the Christian life is. No, we're, we, we take effort. Oh, salvation, it just happens. Once you believe in Christ, you're saved, and you know uh, that your sins are forgiven, and eternity is, uh, in heaven is where you're going to spend eternity. And so you can rest assured on that. But the process of discipleship in the Christian life, it takes effort. It takes a little bit of growth. You're not going to experience that abundant Christian life unless you put forth some effort. Give diligence and add to your faith. You know, as we come to our, our Bibles today, and uh, as you turn there and find your place there in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, I just want to start by asking you if you've ever been around someone who you would classify as a talker and not a doer. What I, what I mean by that is you ever been around a person who says that they're going to do something, but they don't follow through with it? I know you've been around someone like that because you've probably done it. Every one of us, we've probably done that. You know, it's the person who says, yes, I'll get that done for you, but they don't follow through. It's the one that says, of course I'll be there. Yeah, you can count on me, and then they don't show up. It's the person that says, I can definitely help you with this issue. I've got it. I've got it covered, only to back out continually with excuses. You know, we've all probably been affected by that person, and sad to say, at times, we've all been that person. I hate to say it. Honey, close your ears. I hate to say it. I'm just kidding. But uh, there have been times in my life that I've been that way as a husband. I'll say something. Yeah, I'll get that done for you. I'll, I'll, I'll get that accomplished. Only to be reminded of it a month later. Some of your wives are like, he'll admit it. Why won't you? No, listen. 
Some of you wives have been there. Listen, if you're a parent, you ever been there with your kids? Where you tell them, yeah, I'll take care of that. And a few days later, they say, hey, dad, hey, mom, you said you would. And you go, and I meant to keep my word. I meant to accomplish it. But the action never followed the talk. You know, I know I've been there as a husband. I know I've been there as a father. I hate to say this, but I know I've been there as a pastor. I know there's been times where I've committed, yeah, can I give you a phone call? Or yeah, we'll meet up. And then unfortunately, it slips my mind. And I know it happened early on because my wife would say, babe, quit depending on your brain and start writing things down. And boy, I'm so thankful that we have smartphones because smartphones cover dumb brain, you know? And, and when we think about that, there's tons of times we've probably, some of you just got that. <laughs> Smartphone, dumb brain. Okay. I wait for my mom to snort, then I know everybody caught up. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. You know, there's, for all of us, there's times in our life when... Uh, when we have a, we, we talk a big talk, but we fail to back it up with a walk. We talk a big talk, but we have no follow through. The fact of the matter is that while we don't like it when this happens or when others do this to us, I wonder what about those times that we do that to the Lord? I mean, how many times have believers made a commitment to the Lord and not followed through? Lord, I'll witness to my coworker this week. Doesn't happen. You know what, God? I, I commit that I'm going to start praying. Doesn't take place. You know, God, I, I just believe that you want me to really get in the Bible. I'm going I'm to begin studying the word of God. And we have a big talk and a small walk. You know, there's times when believers, they'll say, God, I give you first place in my life. I give you, you're on the throne only to be self-centered and take him off the throne the next day. As you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, both chapters, this is the exact kind of character and behavior that Paul is addressing in the lives of the believers at Corinth. The books of 1 and 2 Corinthians written by Paul to the believers in the city of Corinth, and a Corinth would be in the area of Achaia. You can kind of see it right there in the center of the screen. And this would be a time, Paul, you can go to the book of Acts and find, <coughs> excuse me, Paul being a part of the church in, in Corinth being started and him reaching people and You'll find that uh, God used Paul in a great way in Corinth and reached many people for the Lord. And <clears throat> excuse me, as Paul's manner was, he would often, he would go to a city and reach people in Corinth. He stayed for a number of months and then uh, proceeded further down the line and continued traveling. But as he would do, he would write back to those cities and churches that he had been in. And that's what First and Second Corinthians are. They're letters written back to the church or the believers in the area of Corinth. And Paul, he wrote to them with a burden and he wrote to them with a, a passion for them to help continue and see, uh, help them continue to grow. And as you come to uh, the second part or the second letter of Paul, this second Corinthians, you'll find that as he writes to this church at Corinth in the particular portion of scripture we're coming to, he's challenging them in this thought, hey, don't be all talk. Don't just say you're going to do something, actually step out and do it. 
Now, I believe that thought really should apply to any area of our Christian life. Listen, if you say, God, I'm going to be a prayer warrior, then don't just say it. Step out and start praying. If you say, God, I'm going to try to witness to my coworker, don't just say it. Step out and, and start speaking. If it's God speaking to your heart about changing, okay, God, I promise I'll change the way that I talk. Don't just say it. Start taking steps in that. That's part of that growth message we talked about last week. But while all of Christianity could be encompassed in this thought of don't just speak it, but actually do it. Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he's talking specifically about the area of giving. He's talking, don't just say you're going to give, do it, give. Now, why would Paul write this? I, I wish we had the time. Really, you can make a whole series out of uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I might preach a whole series in one message today. We might be here for a while. I'm teasing. <coughs> we have dinner. Don't worry. It's tonight. So we'll just hang around for dinner. Uh, but I, when I go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, I wonder, okay, why is Paul writing this? Here's what had happened. We'll give a, a brief synopsis of catching us up to 2 Corinthians 8. We'll read our passage, pray, and then get right into the message. Paul, as he was traveling around, the churches at Jerusalem or the church at Jerusalem, they were going under some very severe persecution. If you go and you read Acts chapter 8, verse number 1 tells us that the believers that were there in Jerusalem, because of persecution, they were scattered out. James wrote about it. He said to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. So that church of Jerusalem, they're facing a lot of persecution. That's taking place. Well, because of the persecution, many of those believers are just experiencing a very, very hard time. Man, some of them, they've lost their houses. Some of them have lost their, lost their businesses. Some of them have lost their family members and their own lives. I mean, there was just a lot taking place at the church of Jerusalem. And so as Paul was traveling around and preaching, he was going into churches saying, hey, listen, God's doing a great work in Jerusalem, but they need help. They need us as a church to help support them in that work. Would you give? Would you give something sacrificially toward the church of Jerusalem? Paul had traveled around, and he had said that, and he had sent Titus to do the same thing. And Timothy and Silas, there was a bunch of these guys traveling around saying, hey, help the church out at Jerusalem. Well, the church at Corinth, they heard about it, and the Bible says that they got excited. I mean, they got very zealous about it. They got super excited. Yeah, yeah, we want to help the believers of Jerusalem. Yeah, we want to keep the work going on. The Bible actually says, uh, if you were to go to 2 Corinthians 9, 2, uh, Paul said this, for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago. Your zeal hath provoked very many. So he said, hey, listen, when I first started, this, started talking about this, you got excited and I used your story to encourage other people. But here's the thing. The church at Corinth, they had big talk, but small walk. They got excited about it, got burdened for it, but then they never followed through. And that's what Paul's addressing when you come to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. As you come to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when we talk about intentional living, what Paul helps them understand is this, that if you're going to give, you've got to do it on purpose. You've got to be intentional in your giving. And so I want us to learn with the church at Corinth how we can be intentional 
in our giving, not just giving financially, but how can we be intentional in giving our time to the Lord? How can we be intentional in giving our hearts to the Lord? How can we be intentional in giving our words to Christ? That's the lesson we're going to learn today. So let's stand together. Second Corinthians chapter eight, second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one through five is all we're going to read right now. You can follow along in the word or you can follow along on the screen. And the verses are this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, and beyond, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. As Paul writes, he's again taking some time to teach these believers the importance of follow through. Hey, don't just speak it, act. Don't just say it, follow through with it. That's the lesson that I hope we'll learn this morning. So let's pray and then get into the word of God today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment and commit the time to the Lord and you can ask him to speak to you just something simple. Dear God, please speak to my heart today. Please speak to me. And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I will listen. I will respond to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the day and we pray that you would help us as we listen to the word of God. I pray, Father, that you'd use the lesson to challenge us to be intentional in following through with our commitments. And Lord, especially in this area of giving, that we would understand that you are concerned with our stewardship. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. If there is someone here that does not know they're gonna spend eternity in heaven, I pray that today would be the day they come to know you as their savior. We love you, God, and thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Again, as I as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, with Paul, he at one point had been to that church at Corinth, talked to them. They had their zeal. And uh, again, that verse of 2 Corinthians 9, 2, the last part, Paul said, your zeal hath provoked very many. He said, hey, I used your testimony to encourage other churches but now I'm writing back to you because you need to be encouraged. You need to be challenged in this area of follow through. And so I want us to learn and jump in and learn this morning about becoming intentional in our giving. I want you to notice, first of all, that we will be intentional in our giving when there is a personal surrender. We'll be intentional in our giving when there is a personal surrender. In these verses, the first five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that we just read, we read about the example of the churches in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia, and if I were to pull that map that we just had, you would find that just north of the area of Achaia, you would go up to the area of Macedonia. Up there would be the churches like the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Berea that you read about in Acts 16 and 17. And so Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, hey, we do you to wit, or I want you to know about the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia. What Paul is doing here is he's saying, hey, I want you to know about how God's grace worked through the church at Berea, church at Philippi, and the church at Thessalonica. Now, 
If you go to verse number one, and we won't take time to preach the whole thing, but Paul is not drawing attention to a bunch of believers. Instead, I believe verse number one, Paul is drawing attention to what God did through the believers. Notice it. Moreover, brethren, we do you to it. I want you to know of the power of the believers. Is that what it says? Look at it. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. I want you to know of the power of the believers. No, it doesn't say that. He says, I want you to know, we do you to wit. I want you to know about the grace of God that was bestowed on the believers, on them, on the churches of Macedonia. Hey, I want you to know about the grace of God that worked through these churches. I want you to pay attention to the grace or the strength of God that worked in his people. Have you ever realized that sometimes we're quick to emphasize what people do? But here, Paul is trying to show what God did through the people. And I want us to know this today as we get into this thought about giving, that giving is not about what can you do. Giving and serving the Lord and living for the Lord and witnessing for the Lord, every aspect of the Christian life is not about what you can do. It's about what can God do through you. It's about what will you allow God to do. It's about what can God's strength do in your life. What grace of God is going to be evidence in your heart and your life. And that's what Paul's talking about. Hey, I want you to know about the strength, the grace of God that was bestowed on these churches. Hey, look at what God did through these people. If you go, Paul, he begins to say that the churches of Macedonia, they were in a great time of need, and yet they still gave. Verse 5 tells us, or verse 4 tells us how they gave. Uh, it says that they prayed with much entreaty. The phrase means that they literally begged Paul to, to take their offering back to Jerusalem. I mean, this was a church that they themselves weren't the richest. They weren't doing the best. And yet they said, no, Paul, we want to be a part of what God's doing in Jerusalem. We care about believers. We care about people being saved. Paul, we're going to give so that Jerusalem can continue moving forward. And Paul, we beg you, prayed us with much entreaty. We beg you to take this. But I want you to take a second and notice where that giving of the Macedonian believers, look at what it started with in verse number five. Look at verse number five, because it says this, and this they did. Here's where it started. Not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know where their giving started? Their giving started by giving themselves to the Lord. This is the phrase personal surrender. They understood that everything belongs to the Lord and he is the owner of it all. And so what did they do? They gave of themselves first to the Lord. Hey God, you own it all. So that means you own me. I'm giving myself to you. You know, one man said it this way, that if we give ourselves to God, we will have a little problem giving our substance to God. But let me take it a step further. A moment ago, we spoke about how a lot of Christians don't have follow through in other areas of their life. Can I just say this morning that when you are surrendered in your heart to the Lord, it helps with follow through. Because when you've given yourself to the Lord, you're not going to hold back little areas of your life. I mean, you won't struggle so much with spending time with him. Why? Because my time is surrendered to him. You won't be quick to go back on your commitment to talk to people about him. Why? Because my conversations, they're surrendered to the Lord. You're giving to the Lord. It starts, I mean, in any area, financially or uh, with my time, whatever, in any area, it starts by recognizing he is the owner and I'm going to give myself 
to him. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you know the verse, if you've been in church for any length of time, I, I beg you therefore that you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Hey, just be surrendered. And I believe while there should be a time in your life that you maybe have a one-time decision of committing yourself to the Lord. I think every believer should have that where there's a time that you look to and say, you know what? That's the time when I just said, I gave myself over the Lord. God, everything is mine or everything is yours. But I believe that that should be a daily decision as well. I think you and I should wake up in the morning and say, God, I give you today. What is that? Personal surrender. Man, that's what the church at, churches in Macedonia did. How were they so effective instead of just having big talk? They had big talk, big walk. How, how could we be different and not just have big talk, small walk? Well, start by giving yourself. Man, any area of my life, giving to him falls back on that personal surrender. I will be intentional in my giving when there is this area of personally surrendering to him each and every day. I want you to notice secondly with me this morning that this, this thought kind of goes along with our message last week, but that we'll be intentional in our giving when there isn't just personal surrender, but when there is purposeful growth. We'll be intentional in our giving when there's not just surrender, but there's also growth taking place. Notice verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 7. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. It's a familiar thought, especially if you were here last week. But we understand that the word of God teaches us that we're supposed to be growing in our Christian character, in God's character in our life. And what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 8, 7 is, hey, as you grow in your walk with the Lord, grow in this area as well. What's the area? This grace giving. Grow in this strength as well. And I look, I, I look at this and I see that Paul says, see that ye abound in this grace also. This area of giving Hey, make yourself be a, a grower in this. Recognize that giving is a part of your growth in the Lord. And the fact of the matter is this, that a believer will intentionally give to the Lord when they are growing in the Lord. Man, that's just part of my growth. As you abound in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and in your love for us, hey, see that you abound in this grace also. Just keep growing. Don't step back. No, keep growing in this. Keep abundantly growing in your giving. You think and we need to know this this morning, that part of growing in the Lord is a desire to give to the Lord and then the follow-through that accomplishes it. You see, growing in my giving does not mean that I will always be giving more, although I believe that that can happen. Growing in my giving simply means that I'm not just making commitments, but I'm following through with commitments. You know, something about giving, have you ever noticed that we're always good at giving what we don't have? Oh, man, I'd, I'd give that guy 100 bucks if I had it. I'd do it. You know, offering time. Man, Lord, I'd give. I would. If I win the lottery, I'll give. I'll give. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'd give if I get that raise. If I get that raise, I'll give. We're good at giving what we don't have. But can I just tell you this morning, and this isn't, this isn't a, a Pastor Dennis theology, this is God theology. 
If you're not giving what you already have, you aren't going to give what you don't have, even if you had it. Just the way it is. You can win a million bucks. You know how much you'll give of a million bucks? However much you're giving of a hundred bucks. That percentage. If you got a hundred dollars and you say, oh man, I can, I can sacrifice a dollar. Once you win a million bucks, it's still going to be just that 1%. It's probably what it'd be. Well, you just don't understand. I got to pay this debt and pay this debt and pay. We're good at giving what we don't have. Here's what Paul's saying. Hey, part of, uh, part of growing in your Christian walk is growing and giving as well. It's understanding I'm not just going to make the commitment. I'm going to follow through. <sighs> Pastor. It's past 12. Shut up already. I don't, like, I don't like this. Can I just tell you this this morning? This isn't, this isn't Moses Lake Baptist Church theology. It's not something that I came up with. I'm challenged by this just like you're challenged by it because our tendency is to be selfish with everything we have, time, family, friends, finances. Our tendency is to accomplish what we want with it. And Paul's saying, hey, if you're gonna grow, if you're gonna grow, you're gonna grow in giving too. It doesn't mean I'm always giving more. It means I'm following through with the commitments I make. Hey, therefore, as you abound, as you grow in faith and utterance and knowledge and a love for us, see that you grow in this also. Growing in our giving means there's follow through, not just desire. Can I just tell you this morning that... <clears throat> If you are not faithfully involved in tithing, that's where your giving needs to start. <clears throat> well, pastor, I've done my research and uh, tithing is not in the New Testament. That's some people's argument. Tithing just is not in the New Testament. I'll tell you, you're right. In the New Testament, it doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament, thou shalt tithe. It doesn't say it. Tithing is giving a 10%. <laughs> Ready for this? You know what the New Testament says? Don't stop there. New Testament says, oh, you want to give 20%? Do it. New Testament says, oh, hey, let every one of you lay beside him the first day of the week as God hath prospered him. Let it be by equality. So that means that everybody gives the same percentage. You know what that's talking about? Talking about tithing. It's talking about stepping up and giving. You want me to go back to just talking about tithing, not the 20%? Some of you are like, step back, step back. Take the treadmill back, reverse. Can you do that on a treadmill? Can you go backwards? That'd be cool. Sorry, my brain thinks of weird things. You know, when you think about tithing, we need to understand that giving to the Lord, whether it's tithing or sacrificial giving or abundance giving or this area of faith or grace giving, tithing to the Lord is so much more than an act. And this is the next thought that Paul brings us to, and it's this, that we will be intentional in our giving, number one, when there's personal surrender, number two, when there's purposeful growth, but number three is this, that we'll be intentional in our giving because we're proving our love. 
Here's the thought. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 8. Paul continues. He says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. He continues verse 24 of chapter 8. He says, wherefore show ye to them, talking about Titus, and before the churches, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul teaches them, hey, listen, you said you love the Lord. You said you love these believers at Jerusalem. Well, prove it. Prove it. Giving proves love. The old saying, and many of you have heard it before, but uh, the old saying is this, that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And that's the principle that Paul is getting at. Hey, let your giving be proof of your love for the Lord and your love for uh, these believers. And if you look at this, man, this is a little confrontational, isn't it? Man, I don't know about you, but when I said something and someone come up to my face and say, prove it, you just want to sock them. I'll prove it. (laughs) Prove that. Punk. Man, but here's what Paul's doing. He's coming. He's saying, hey, hey, a few months ago, I came there and I said that we need to give to the church of Jerusalem and you were zealous. You said, man, we love the Lord. We, we love those believers, man. Paul, how can we be involved? And then you didn't do anything. Paul says, prove your love. Prove it. I've told the story hundreds of times. I'm going to tell it again. When Hannah and I were about to get engaged, I remember the very first time I told her I loved her. I was at a camp in Colorado on a payphone. She was at her house in Republic, Washington. I said on the payphone, what would you say if I told you I loved you? I was hoping she would be like, well, I'd tell you I love you too, you know, because then it's fair. I said, what would you say if I said I loved you? And she said, say it and see. Hannah, I love you. Thank you. Quick. (laughs) You did not. Put more quarters in. Called her back. She answered. I said, hey, it's me. She's like, duh, dummy. I'm like, I don't know if you heard me, but I told you I loved you. And she goes, yeah, I heard you. Thanks. Have a good night. Click. I'm a loser. And you know what? Here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Over the course of our marriage, I can say I love you all I want, but you know what she wants me to do? Prove it. Show it. Man, there's some of you that you know that's true because in your life, you've had a prove it moment. You say one thing and someone says, prove it. Hey, uh, Paul, we want to give. We want to be involved. Prove it. Prove your love. Paul, we love the Lord. We love these believers of Jerusalem. Prove it. 
Man, I'm going to be intentional in my giving when I am proving my love, when I'm showing my love. And you think about this, that as Paul talks about them, uh, talks to them, he's helping them understand that God is not so much concerned about the nature of the gift as he is the heart of the giver. I think all of this thought has to do with motive. You, you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Paul continuing about giving. He says, hey, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Listen, can I tell you that our motive in giving is vitally important. Our giving must come from a heart that's in love with the Lord. Uh, don't do it grudgingly. The phrase grudgingly means of annoyance or out of grief. Don't be pressured in this. Don't do it of necessity. Don't be guilted or have a feeling like you have to. No, give cheerfully. Well, how? As you purpose in your heart. What's going on in your heart is going to be evident in the life. And isn't that true in every area of our Christian life? I mean, doesn't the Bible have much to say about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh? Doesn't the Bible have much to say about how my heart is, my actions will show? So why would giving be any different? Man, motive matters. Can I just help us understand this morning this thought? Motive matters in every area of your Christian life. Love should be the motive for everything you do as a Christian. You want to know why you should get up in the morning and spend time with the Lord? Because you love him. Want to know why this week you should care about your character and your testimony? Because I love him. You want to know this week why you should tell people about Jesus? Because I love him. Want to know why you should protect your thoughts and the things you think about? Because you love the Lord. Man, love should be the motive in everything I do. Why should Brother Micah get up here and sing? And why should the ensemble help start the, uh, the, the, the service out? Why should Miss Hannah play the guitar? And Miss Rebecca, why should the Blims be involved? Why should uh, the Sunday school teachers teach and the junior church workers work and the nursery workers work? And why should you bring snacks to church? I mean, come on, why should we bring chocolate peanut butter cookies and chocolate peanut butter pie and chocolate peanut butter anything? Why should we do it? Not just because the pastor likes chocolate peanut butter. I mean, that's a good reason, but it shouldn't be the motive. The motive should be because I love the Lord. Amen. And that's what Paul's talking about. Hey, hey, if you love him, prove it. Give. Give. Don't be big talk, small walk. Be big talk, all walk. Man, I'm not just going to talk it. I'm going to live it. Our motivation for doing anything in the Christian life should simply be because we love the Lord. And it's the same in this area of giving. I see this morning this thought that if we're going to have follow-through in any of our Christian life, it'll happen when our motive is love. But when we talk about giving, we'll be intentional in our giving when there's personal surrender, when there's purposeful growth. We'll be intentional in our giving because we're proving our love. But notice also we'll be intentional in our giving because we have a powerful example. Look at verse number 9 of our text in 2 Corinthians 8. Look at verse 9. Paul said this, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Man, Paul doesn't just say something about giving and love. He brings up the greatest example that proved his love by giving. Paul's like, hey, church at Corinth, I want to remind you I'm not asking you just to be strong in this. No, Jesus proved it. Jesus lived it. He says, hey, Jesus was strong in the area of giving, and his motive was you. If you look at the verse, though he was rich, yet for 
your sakes and my sake, he became poor. And you think about this, it was because of you and me that Jesus gave his life and died on the cross. I mean, you think about John three sixteen, probably the most familiar verse that people would know for God so loved the world that he did what he gave. He gave his, he proved his love by giving his son and Jesus proved his love by giving himself. And what is that? Well, that's a great example. He gave because of his love for us. And Paul highlights it again at the end of the chapter. He says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Man, what an example we have. You think about giving in any area of our Christian life. We can give because Jesus gave. Why can I give forgiveness to someone else? Because Jesus gave forgiveness. Why can I give my life to invest in others? Because Jesus gave his life to invest in me. Why can I give my money to go uh, reach people in China that I'll never meet? Because Jesus gave up everything to come and reach me. And we'll be intentional in our giving when we're looking at our example. Hebrews 12, 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Paul wrote there, hey, listen, the Christian life can be weary. It can be tiring. But if you're focused on him, you'll keep moving forward. Why? Because he's the example. Oh, isn't that the truth? Man, when you're running in a race, when you start looking around, you start to slow down. But when you look dead ahead, man, you can speed up. When you look dead ahead and stay focused on the end goal, man, you can move forward. You can stay in that straight line. So Paul's saying, consider him. Hey, get your focus on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hey, don't look around at everybody else. No, let your heart say, I'm following my example. I can give because he, he gave. I can forgive because he forgave. I can tell because he told. I can, why? It's all because of him. But I want you to notice lastly with me this morning that we can be intentional in our giving, or excuse me, when we are intentional in our giving, there is a principle of blessing. This is an awesome part. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> Here's what it says. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Paul lays out for us a principle that Jesus taught in Luke 6, 38. Here's the principle. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Paul is writing, he says this, be encouraged that as you give, God is gonna bless it. God's gonna bless it. Know that your God is a greater giver than you are. You know, sometimes we expect God to give back how we gave to him. So if I give $100 to God, I expect God to somehow give me $100 back. But we need to understand that God, while God may bless us financially when we give, that he blesses in so many other ways. I have so many of my own stories of God blessing in my life. I can remember when Hannah and I were involved in a building offering one time when we were in college. We had $50, $55 to our name. We had 55 bucks and that was it. We didn't have groceries. We didn't have gas in the car. My transmission had just blown out in my car. I mean, we were broke, broke, broke. Capital 
broke, broke, broke. All caps, bolded, underlined. And I remember that God put it on our hearts of that $55. We know, we both know it was God put it on our hearts to give $50 in that offering. That was huge for us. And we were like, this is gross. This is, what are we going to do? And we knew it. And we put that offering in. We went home that night and we were laying in bed and we just started praying. Both of us started crying. God, we're here. We're trying to pay college off. We're here. We're, you, you see what we're doing. We were so broke. We didn't have toilet paper in the house. We had nothing. I'm, I'm, it's, it's funny, but we had nothing. And that night we prayed and said, God, we believe that you wanted us to give that $50. You got to do something. You got to do something. And I remember praying, God, we want groceries. I remember praying this, God, we don't even have toilet paper. We need that, Lord. We need, we need literally everything. Next morning, I got up, went to work, got a phone call about an hour after I'd been to work. Hannah was weeping on the other end. I thought somebody had died. She was weeping. Finally, she gained her composure. And she said this, oh, our friends, you know, AJ and Lori? Yeah. I said, Dennis, they showed up at our door. Honey, they had bags of groceries for us. And their kids walked in. She said, honey, they filled our cabinets in our fridge. I don't have to grocery shop for a month. I said, you're kidding. She said, no. And get this, AJ knows a guy that can fix your transmission for free. I said, are you serious? I said, yeah, they're going to get him right now. I said, you're lying. She said, no, I'm telling you the truth. And Dennis, they asked us to come over for dinner tonight so we don't have to cook any of the food they bought for us. Man, I got home. I, we were so excited. We were praising God. And we went to their house and went to dinner. And we're leaving dinner, leaving their house. And I mean, we, we hadn't told anybody. We had told nobody what was going on in our life. Only God and me and her knew what was happening. I'm leaving their house. And Lori, you have to know her. She goes, Brother Fountain. I mean, she's from South. Brother Fountain. I said, yeah, Lori. She was like, honey, now don't take this wrong. She's like, but me and AJ, we were out shopping. We did the Costco run, got you all some groceries. Please don't take this wrong. She said, but we split up and we both bought too much of some things. She's like, I don't know how it happened, but we checked out separately. We both, stopped, we both bought that. I'm thinking, all right, what are you, where are you going with this? She goes, all right, well, there's a 36 pack of toilet paper right there by the door. Could you all use that? <laughs> Man, now you, we start laughing. I started weeping. I'm standing at the door and I'm like, <laughs> you start crying. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. You, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take the toilet paper. And so I was like, <laughs> I got over. I said, I prayed for toilet paper last night. Who prays for toilet paper? <laughs> Man, you know what I believe that was? That was God from heaven saying, Dennis, I'm going to bless. He didn't give back to me $50. Nope. Man, no, he gave me hundreds of dollars of groceries and blessed in that way man gave me some TP. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, I, I can tell you story after story. I can tell you God's blessed my life. I can tell you about our friend, Kurt Skelly, many of you know, and how his mom or his mother-in-law years and years ago, they were a broke family and their pastor said, listen, we're going to take up a love offering and take up a food offering for a poor family in our church. And this lady and her kids, they literally had nothing in the cupboards except for one can of tomato soup. 
And that morning after service, she went home and she said, kids, we're going to be a part of that offering for the poor family. Mom, we don't have anything. Took down that can of tomato soup, said, we have this. But mom, that's our only food. That's okay. That's all right. God will take care of it. Took that can of tomato soup, went to the, and they did a grocery offering up front for this poor family. Set that food up there. And that mom, she just walked up there and put that can down, big smile, wasn't trying to be seen by anybody, just wanted to, I want to be a part of that. Man, that night, the van was dropping them off. The pastor was driving the van. She got out, thanks, pastor, have a good night, and started going inside of her house. And the pastor said, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Y'all forgot your groceries. That offering was for you tonight. And she had no clue, no clue. What is that? It's a blessing. Why? You gave. I could go on and on. But I think something will help. I want you to not hear just from me. I want you to hear from other people. Veronica, would you do that? Hello. My name's Veronica, and I've been a, mo- a member of Moslick Baptist Church for about five years. A lot of you know me. Um, being a single mom, and I've always been... Uh, very meticulous in my finances, raising my son, who is in his third year um, of, of college at West Coast. He's a junior, praise God. And um, when the Lord uh, first started talking to me about tithing, I had all the logical excuses about why this is not going to work, Lord. But, um, sorry. Um, I um, prayed about it, and once I surrendered to take that step of faith, um, the Lord has just been doing great, great things in my life, in my son's life, and uh, more than I could ever even um, imagine, or um, we've just been so blessed. Um, the Lord began moving the pieces of my life around and um, just some of the recent blessings have been life changing for both of us and I just want to say that um, just encourage you if you haven't um, considered tithing um, and giving to missions that you would um, just pray about it and like I said it, it before I surrendered um Logically, it, it didn't make sense to me. You know, I never had two cents to rub together most of the time trying to provide my son with a stable um, home as a single mom. And uh, just so great of uh, the things that he's doing for us through um, others and through just, um, it, like the pastor said, it, um, just, it's been just, I can't even, I'm speechless. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would just encourage you, um, if you haven't uh, 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 started tithing, or um, that you just pray about it and surrender to God and take that step of faith um, and just put your trust in him because I have never been left wanting for anything that I've ever needed. Um, and it, I, it, like I said, um, just changed my life. And... Uh, 
So I just encourage you to pray about it and um, step out in faith like I have and just be able to experience those blessings that God has waiting for you on the other side of that. Amen. Thank you. Listen, that's a promise. Listen, man, praise the Lord. And listen, what, what Miss Veronica shares... That's given, it shall be given unto you. Man, listen, that's God. You, you take steps of faith. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. But can I tell you, Miss Veronica's not the only story. Quinn? You hear me? Next time, Pastor, can I go first? <laughs> I mean, that's just, that is so incredible just to hear that because it's... Um, we serve the same God. We love the same God, and he blesses us in so many similar ways. And, in, I mean, faithfulness is the only thing that really comes to mind when I think of how God treats us. And I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with parents that were, uh, they were faithful in their giving, and I saw that as an example. Uh, once I got out on my own, started making some money, um, I, I started to just keep it for myself. Uh, got married at a pretty young age, and my wife and I, we would just spend our time and our money on whatever we wanted. And uh, before we came out here, uh, we'd found ourselves in a pretty good rut of, you know, God providing, and uh, we would take it and just kind of spend it on ourselves, both our time and our money. And in 2013, uh, God put us into a trial and brought us out here and uh, took away some money and took away some time and broke us out of that rut and made us um, focus on him more. And through that, brought us into a, a couple of churches, this one being the primary one. And through that experience, we were found that, you know, where we thought we were going to have joy and happiness, spending time and spending money where we wanted, uh, was we started to give our time and serve in the church, I found that there was fulfillment in spending that time and that there was joy that I experienced that I would never experience if I went and spent that time on myself and not doing bad things, but just not doing anything for the Lord. And the same is true with that money. You know, I've, I've spent money on things that I've regretted. I've never once regretted giving to the Lord. I've never once regretted, regretted that, that extra offering or that giving to missions. And I've never, I've never, can say I've experienced like what pastors experienced in terms of seeing that immediate blessing like that. But I know that I'm, I'm giving towards something eternal. Um, that's an investment in eternity. It's never going to be lost or destroyed. And, you know, I'm not doing it for my own personal gain. So it's not about whether that succeeds to make me happy. I know I'm giving it for what the Lord can do with it, and he's faithful. So, I mean, you might not see, you know, that windfall, and that's not what the Lord promises. But there's a lot of rich people that have no joy, and they have no fulfillment, and they have no peace. And God can give us those things when we're faithful to give to him. Amen. You know, listen, when you hear that and we go through that, and they're the two I have speaking today, I know, I know we could go around and get tons of other stories, but I just want us to understand the principle is true in giving our finances, but in also giving of our time, in giving of our lives, saying, God, I realize that you have made me for more than me. Paul said it this way, the church at Philippi. He said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Hey, my God is going to take care of you. God blesses those who intentionally give. Listen, this morning, I don't know about you, 
But when someone doesn't follow through with what they said, it's irritating. And when I'm the one who doesn't follow through on what I say, man, it drives me crazy. But I wonder how do we make the God, how do we make God feel sometimes? Lord, I'll, I'll give. God, I'll tell. God, I'll. And we don't follow through on it. I wonder how that make God, makes God feel. So I want to challenge you with this this morning. You see, a, a church at Corinth, like the church at Corinth, sometimes we have big talk, small walk. But may we decide today that I'm going to be a follow-through Christian. I'm going to follow through on my commitments. I'm going to, cont- I'm going to grow, and I'm going to realize that it's personal surrender, purposeful growth. It's proving my love because I'm pursuing my example. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. And I promise you, not just in your financial areas of life, but in every area of life, when you give to God, he will bless that. Let me close with this. And I I know we've been a little longer today. I didn't get up to preach till 1150, so come on. Listen, I wanna close with this thought because maybe you're here today and the follow-through decision you need to make is to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. You've had a desire to have his forgiveness. You've had a desire to have peace. You have a desire to be in heaven, but you've never put your faith and trust only in Jesus. I wanna tell you this morning that if you are here and you don't know Christ as your savior, he wants you to know him. He wants you to make that decision. Follow through and receive him as your savior. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to make that decision. If you do know Jesus as your Savior, would you determine today to be a follow-through Christian? Not just in the area of giving, but a follow-through Christian. God, I'm going to follow through. When I tell you I'm going to spend time with you, I'm going to do it. God, when I make a commitment, I'm going to follow through. May we be intentional, purposeful in living our life for him. I'm going to pray, and if God's spoken to us, I want us to respond to him. But before I pray, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? If you're here and you'd be honest, Pastor, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know that. Right up and right back down. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Pastor, I don't know I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand right up and right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know that. I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. If that's you today and you need to receive Christ, we invite you to come. We'll take a Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. If you do know the Lord today, will you make the decision? I'm gonna follow through. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the invitation. Help us to respond to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.